Hello, and welcome to episode zero of the Level Up Coffee podcast. This is a coffee-focused podcast dedicated to learning from each other. We believe the only way to level up in this crazy coffee business is to do it together. We focus on western New York and surrounding areas because, well, that's where we're from. And we want to understand the perspectives of coffee folks around us. So this first episode, or should I say zero-ith episode, is basically just an introduction to the people behind the scenes that level up. Who are we? How did we get sucked into the coffee business? Where do we see room for improvement in ourselves and in our industry? Where do we see this project going? So today, you're going to hear from Wade Reed, Sapphire Kerchain, Aaron Pescucci, and myself, John Cannon. After this introductory episode, most episodes are going to be focused on specific subjects rather than specific individuals. We'll gather audio from all kinds of coffee folks around us, and more likely than not, we're going to be able to learn from each other and get better at participating in this coffee business. Our website will soon host classes you can take online. We'll be putting on events where you can meet all kinds of interesting people and learn some cool stuff and maybe even have some fun while we're at it. You can follow us on Instagram at levelup.wny, or you can visit our website at levelupwny.com. Full disclosure, we've never done this before. Uh, We will get better at mixing, I promise. All right, let's get started. This is Level Up, and we're happy to introduce to you Aaron. Aaron Pescucci. How you doing today? Good, Wade. It's a sunny day in Rochester, so that's a rare thing these uh, mornings. Is this the second or third uh, sunny day in Rochester? I feel like we had... (laughs) two this year right this is the third (laughs) it Uh, might be the third is there anything more rochester than bitching about the weather we wanted to sit down and just hear a little more about your story of how you got into coffee uh we're looking at uh, as you know we're looking at how it is you know people make this work um where they come from how they end up in coffee uh what the career path is and maybe even some stories of like uh, having to step back, and what your plan is for the future. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were when you first got drawn into coffee? Because I feel like coffee is the kind of thing that uh, you don't choose it as much as it chooses you. <laughs> I've always kind of said that. Um, and, you know, you get kind of enchanted by an aspect of it, and then you find yourself one day waking up going to a coffee job. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I I completely agree. Coffee did choose me. Um, so my story is probably going to be a little different as um, I didn't consider myself a coffee professional until recently. Um, early, early on, um, I have a memory of my parents coming back from Europe and exposing me to espresso. And that resulted in the early purchase of a Krupp's pump machine in my house. Yes. (laughs) And by the end of high school, I was brewing for me and my mother routinely every morning. Um, So that was the initiation of the choice there. So you're... Your introduction was espresso. It was espresso early on. <laughs> early on, say, give it. Can you give us a number on early on? Um, I was probably eleven when I had my first espresso. <laughs> so good. Um, if you'd given eleven-year-old me espresso, um, yeah. it'd probably be about like giving you know thirty-year-old me espresso. So <laughs> you've all probably seen it. Um, so from there, the love was always there. 
Um, and then I sought out the culture, um, you know, the coffee shop culture. Where was your local spots? And at the time, um, we had Java's down on East Ave in Rochester. Um, and that was probably one of the few places um, you could get specialty coffee at the time. Um, so moving on from there, um, I didn't do much with coffee other than brew at home and seek out, you know, really high quality products. So um, I went to college like, you know, a good boy did and got a degree and always loved coffee and tried to work it into my life. Um, my first professional job was like moonlighting, I'd say, um, in between teaching careers um, over the summers. Um, and I started at uh, Pete's Coffee out on the West Coast. Um, that was where I got like some more actual formalized learning going on um, and brewing. And that brought me to Rochester a few years later where I started working with the guys over at Joe Bean. Um, and that's kind of a leap. You yeah. know, going from a Pete's to Joe Bean, going from what I would assume, West Coast Pete's, you're dealing with super high volume, right? Yeah. Uh, and I remember when you came to Joe Bean, like we had crazy times, right? Uh, days, Saturdays were pretty reliably nuts. Sundays could get serious. But generally the pace was very different. From what I imagine a West Coast Pete's to be, yeah. I mean, we we were opening at four four thirty a.m. and pumping out you know hundreds of lattes a day. It's what I at least I refer to as like second wave coffee. You know, it was people running in before work, mostly getting their triple macchiatos and their extra extra dry cappuccinos and whatever you know thing they could customize. And now we're going to hear from our friend Sapphire Corchain. Um, Sapphire, I am sassy. I'm a woman. I am proud to be a woman. I am like so happy to lift other people up beneath me. And I don't know, I'm artsy fartsy. <laughs> Sapphire, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, why coffee? You've been doing coffee for. Uh, I mean, as long as any of us in this room right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, and how did you get into coffee? And uh, what what was going on in life that uh, that drew you towards that type of job? I'm always interested in, uh, you know, it's, it's never just, oh, I love coffee. There's always something else that brings people to, you know, the way Wade puts it, I think is correct. Like, coffee kind of chooses you. This is true. Um, so I guess like my earliest memories of coffee and really enjoying it was making Maxwell House for my mom. Um, I would think I was doing such a great job making her coffee. I would use like two filters and like quadruple the, like the normal dose of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, in my infancy, like as a young child, I thought that was great. But like, you know, I kept going to cafes and stuff like that with my mom. It was sort of like our ritual. Um, but 
when I started working at Wegmans, they shut down the store that I was at to remodel. And when they remodeled, they put a coffee shop in there. And I have no idea why I can, I can like distinctly remember the day where I looked down from my registers at that cafe. And I was like, that's where I need to be. I have to go there. <laughs> and I did everything, every single thing I could do to like weasel myself into the cafe. Like I became super buddy buddies with a like department manager. I like started working in the cafe like area, not the coffee shop, but like the cafe area, like wiping down tables and stuff. And then I finally got in there and, um, you know, eventually I knew more than my manager. So I was just like, I need to find another job to supplement my time here so I can continue learning. And that's when I started working at SIPS. And then I very quickly, again, maxed out what I was learning there. So I remember working with you at Founders. <laughs> right, yeah. And then, uh, you know, that didn't work out. And I, like, went to Joe Bean right after that. And then Glen Edith and then Locals and then um, Rococo now. Man, so so things really happened pretty quick, it sounds like. This, this, is, an, this is an interesting story. This isn't, you know, one of the, um, well... I was going to do this, but then I ended up doing this. It was like you you loved it right from the start, yeah. it sounds like. I, yeah. I really did. Like, I mean, when I say I was obsessed, I was obsessed. I researched everything I could. I paid for myself to go to get my Barista Level 1 certificate. Um, like, and that wasn't cheap. Like, <laughs> I remember selling cookies at Wegmans to, like, the employees to help fund my way there, <laughs> um, which I got in trouble for. <laughs> but... <laughs> One of the things that you got to be known for in our community here in Rochester is um, latte art. There was, there's no, there, especially, uh, I want to say five years ago, there was no one doing what you were doing with latte art. And you got a ton of Instagram followers because of it. There were people asking you to do designs in, in uh, lattes. You made a, a, a real name for yourself um, for one, knowing a lot about coffee, but two, just being like amazing at latte art. Yeah, I've um, always been an artist, so, you know, coffee was just one way for me to channel my artistic, you know, love affair, I guess. Um, so, yeah, you know, the latte art thing, like, I, like, looked up on YouTube videos, like, when I first started out at Sips, like, how to make latte art, and I remember that... There was a throwdown happening at Joe Bean, and I hadn't even worked at Joe Bean yet. And I was just like, if I want to get into this industry, like, I have to be the best. And I made myself a name out of it. So um, I went to that throwdown, and I think I, like, placed... I don't know. I, I didn't place very well, but like I went to the third round and, you know, I remember like people being like, oh, who's that? Who's that? And it was really cool. Um, I always really had... Like, like latte art throwdowns are just one of the most amazing experiences as like a new barista coming into the scene. Like, yeah, that's where you really feel like the community, and I've always liked that. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? How like that's you go to the latte art throwdown as like a new barista, um, thinking like, all right, I'm gonna get in this scene. I'm gonna, and I I, I think it works too. It does. You know? It totally does. I mean, that's. That's our version of networking, you know. Some people do office parties and they network that way, but like us coffee folks, we network over latte art throwdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we're going to hear from your host, John Cannon. 
let's just start off. Give us um, a little bit of who is John Cannon? What is John Cannon doing? And, you know, yeah. what do you want to tell people? As quick as I can about all of that. Um, I'm from Rochester, New York, from a suburb right outside Henrietta, is what it's called. I <laughs> I studied uh, music my pretty much my entire life and graduated with a uh, degree in music business in 2008. And then I moved down to uh, New Jersey afterwards so that I could be close to uh, New York City so I can, like, uh, start doing, like, music industry interviews, try to get a job at some label or publishing company or something cool in New York. So, so all that stuff is in either New York or Nashville or L.A., you know. Um so I was like, all right, cool. I'll move in with my cousin who got the same degree as me, he lives in New Jersey. Um, and that, that'll that be good. I can hop on the train and do these interviews and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm going right into my story, which is kind of like a little bit of – it, it sort, sort of answers the question of like who is John Cannon, you know. Um, and uh, that was right at the height of the 2008 um, economic crisis and also – the music industry didn't know what it was going to become at that point. You know, Spotify and streaming services hadn't really been solidified as like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. This is the way things are going to be for the foreseeable future. You know, what Once you know the way things are going to be, that's good. At least you know. And then you can adapt your business models to like, okay, we don't make money here. We Turns out we actually make money there. But at that point, the music industry didn't really know where it was going to go or what was going to happen, you know? So so it was just a really confusing time to graduate and try to, like, you know, get hot off the presses and try to get a job. So uh, I got this job at this cafe in um, Freehold, New Jersey, which is where uh, Bruce Springsteen is from. Ooh. And it, uh, they, they had me booking shows. So I was like, oh, cool, okay, I can kind of, like, do my music thing. You know, I grew up playing in bands, like, booking shows and stuff. So, um, and when it closed, I did a, uh, I did a temp job in New York City that uh, a friend of mine hooked me up with. And I was couch surfing, like, working at this publishing company, couch surfing, um, because I didn't want to ride two hours to the city every day, two hours back, and then just, you know, have to do that five days a week. So it was it was ridiculous, and I'll, I'll get into how I made it work uh, maybe some other time, but um, it, it was just it was just too much, too much travel, uh, too much uh, crashing on people's couches and showering and, you know, using my day, my previous day's clothes to dry my body because I didn't want to be a rude guest and use one of their towels, you know. Um, so... A friend of mine from the band that was playing playing in um, sent me a Craigslist ad for this place called Rook Coffee Roasters, and he goes, "Hey, I know you're you're getting into coffee and blah blah blah, and you're kind of thinking this music thing ain't really working out as far as a way to uh, actually have a job, <laughs> you know." Um, so they were roasting their own coffee and they were focusing on pour overs. So I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds like exactly what I want to uh, the things that I need to know if I want to like completely change my life." Um, and uh, and choose coffee as a career path because obviously it ain't working any other way. So, so I started working at Rook Coffee Roasters and learned how to roast coffee. And um, 
Then uh, when it came time to move back to Rochester, um, I just kept working in coffee. And I was working at Java's, helped open Founders Cafe, which is where I met Sapphire. Um, and then we both kind of went our separate ways and stayed in the scene. That's uh, that's kind of the beginning of the uh, the story. That's a little bit of who I am, too. Music was my first passion, though, I must say that. And I still keep a lot of that intact in my life today. And I think some of that stuff might even influence um, the way that I work in uh, in coffee as well. Awesome. So you found yourself back in Rochester. You were in coffee. Um, you know, for a lot of us, you know, at some point the uh, you got bit by the bug. Or, you know, as we've kind of been spitballing here, um, we're asking, you know, did you choose coffee? You know, you came out of this economic situation where, you know, there was a choice that had to be made as to, you know, how you were going to survive, how you were going to make money. Or, uh, you know, did coffee choose you or was it actually kind of both? You know, you know, I think uh, people would like to understand, you know, you come from a unique perspective there on that. Yeah, I, I wanted to only do music. And last, I'd like to introduce to you Wade Reed. Hi. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I guess that's me. Uh, so, uh, so glad to be here. This so is really cool. <laughs> Can you give us a little short uh, snippet about who you are and what got you into coffee? Yeah. So um, I'm Wade. Uh, I am, first and foremost, a father of three. Um, and, you know, that defines a lot about what I do, what I'm able to do, what I'm not able to do <laughs> in my life. And uh, I, my journey into coffee, you know, it's it's easy to look back at a few definitional moments from way back. Um, it was always a big deal to sit and watch football on Sunday mornings and have a cup, get a cup of coffee. That was like when I got my cup of coffee, you know, like back when I was 10, 11 years old, you know, when you couldn't really give me like coffee, um, not a lot has changed. And, uh, that's like where the sense memory leads me, you know, like the, the smells and the things that you first kind of fall in love with about coffee. They carry me back to like when I was 11 years old. Um, but Interestingly, when I first moved to Chicago, uh, I was volunteering with a group called the Inspiration Cafe, and they um, served intelligentsia. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Well, at the time, at the time, time, Chicago was like their home base. It it wasn't all so focused on the West Coast, and they had a distribution company in the city, and you could literally walk into any number of diners or uh, places like Inspiration Cafe, which was serving like the the unhoused population of Chicago at the time, and find intelligentsia. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it was just in the air there. So I tried a, I was a server there, and I tried a cup of coffee. I was like, what, what is this? And I pick it up, and I look at it. It's like uh, Ethiopia Sadamo uh, lemon blueberry, all this. I'm like, I can taste all that in a coffee and I just remember like having that experience being like like telling someone about it and they're like like was it good did you like it I was like I loved it (laughs) I loved it uh but that wasn't what got me into it you know I still had a little ways to go I was doing school in Chicago and then there was a cafe job 
um, in our neighborhood. And I just popped in, filled out an application, got the job like that day, pretty much. Um, and I was working with people uh, uh, who knew what they were doing. We were serving Altera coffee. We were, which is was out of Milwaukee. Um, probably still is, but now it's owned by Mars Candy Company. Um, we, we were serving single origins, and I was learning about that, uh, and I... You know, when I was trained on espresso, it was, you know, clack, clack, grinder, um, level, tamp, hit, tamp, you know, semi-auto machine. Uh, it was a Simonelli two group at the time. And it was so fascinating to me that uh, I had missed out on so much up to this point. I thought I knew coffee, thought I really thought I was a big time coffee drinker and just was like blown away. But I did the thing that I kind of always do when I discover something new, where I was like acting like an expert right away. So that's how we all got into this coffee thing. But as you'll see, the journeys are as different as the individuals. So we're going to hear from Sapphire and Aaron now on their different takes on work-life balance and how they find very different niches within the coffee world. Teaching, you know, I don't want to get into, this isn't a... a, a teaching conversation but there's a lot of sacrifice of time devotion to that profession both in the classroom and outside um, and one of the biggest things I gained from leaving that and going into coffee was almost a dedicated 40-hour work week um, I have a lot more time with my children a lot more time with my wife and uh, when I'm not working I'm not working yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah and you know, my wife used to laugh at me because I would carry around a big bag with me. You know, we would go to a Christmas party and at about, you know, eight or nine, you know, people would start to wind down on conversation and they peel off to do whatever they were doing. I would pull out my grading and sit and do grading. Oh. And, uh, you know, my wife always teases me now. She's like, where's your bag, Aaron? <laughs> Don't you have some papers to check? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, I yeah, like the very hidden cost um, of being an educator um yeah, yeah and you're yeah, a christmas party no less <laughs> that's you know when you uh, can never put it down but this being something you can put down is uh, yeah that's really cool and then that's, uh you know what i lost a little bit though was uh that financial security you know i was only really able to quit teaching because my wife picked up the slack so to speak um, and we, you know, did the analysis and we're in a position that, you know, the pay cut, which was significant, you know, could happen. Are you saying coffee doesn't pay well? It, Is that least. a claim you're making right now, Aaron? <laughs> I, w I will make that claim, at least at this point. <laughs> um, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here. So, um, you know, I gave up a pension, um, which is rare these days. Um and so, you know, health benefits and things like that are kind of the things you don't think a lot about when pursuing a passion. But at least for me, you know, the luck was that I had that in my wife and her profession and she was happy doing it. So it wasn't like she was sacrificing so I could pursue my passion. Sapphire Core Chain again. How's work-life balance in uh, 
in coffee for you or in, in what you're doing? What is work life? <laughs> there, there just is none. <laughs> no, no, no. I swear, like, you know, having my social media side business, doing this project, working in the cafe, I there are some days where I wake up and I go to work at nine and I go home and I work until nine, ten o'clock. Wow. Yep. So, and that's at least three times a week that I do that. And, you know, then I, I burn out and, and then I am selfish for the rest of the week and I only work <laughs> half a day. Um, but, you know, it's important knowing when you're reaching that point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And that's, that's a really hard thing for me to try to like balance in my life because I am a workaholic. I will like work until I am sick to my stomach some days. <laughs> Aaron, um, Aaron's story uh, is work-life balance to the max. When he is not working, when he's at home, he is not working, man. He's out. Uh, Sapphire is a different, uh, a different person. Sapphire loves working on everything that she's working on all the time. Um, including when she goes home, she keeps working. That's interesting. Could you could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, um, I am a workaholic. Hi, everybody. My name's Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sapphire. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I I enjoy what I do, and I don't think that there is anything wrong with bringing your work home, as long as. One, you know that that's going to be your sacrifice. And if you have a significant other, they know that too. And there has to be some boundaries. Like, you know, my cutoff at home is 9 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock. So, like, as long as I'm not working past that and we can watch, like, you know, some Netflix together, we're cool. <laughs> and as long as it doesn't happen more than three days a week, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as I have Saturdays or Sundays off, one or the other, we're cool. So, you know, I do have those boundaries. Um, but I I work a lot. I work all the time and I enjoy it. So for me, it's not hard to do, although sometimes I get a little resentful with my time. And that's when I am reaching my burnout phase. And I know that resentful with, with your time you said yeah resentful of myself okay yeah yeah <laughs> like, like why are you doing this <laughs> like what is wrong with you you know <laughs> Say, uh, same honestly yeah. yeah uh most of the time the only one to blame for something going wrong is myself exactly yeah <laughs> i feel yeah uh now i i do think it's so interesting that in this level up group uh we've got such different perspectives and different uh kind of life stories different ways that we interpret our position in um uh in our like local coffee industry and the way that it integrates into our lives <clears throat> as well you know you've got Aaron saying like no work-life balance 40 hours I'm out you're not getting me anymore and then you've got Sapphire going no I'm in this you must have misunderstood I'm in when you got me you got me up until 9 p.m you know <laughs> and, and those different perspectives I think are and, you know, different lifestyles are really important. Yeah. I mean, and part of me being that way is also because I've been in so many higher level management positions where, like, you are on call all the time. Like, just because my shift ends at two o'clock doesn't mean that I have to put out a fire at five o'clock. Like, sometimes quite literally put out fires. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I always have prided myself on being that person that's like, hey, whatever you need, like, I got you. I'm there for you. Like, you can call me day or night. Like, I will be there to support you. And 
definitely not saying that anybody who wants to have that hard cutoff time and like has time away from work like do that like you know that about you like that's great that's why people like me in this world are you know around to be able to you know pick that extra like little bit of effort up for like the group as a whole I think that sounds okay I don't know (laughs) no that 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 all makes sense some of you know that coffee has a way of pulling you back in Coffee chooses us, and it chooses to not let us go. Aaron, Wade, and myself each have a unique perspective on trying to leave the coffee world's orbit and getting pulled back in. Yeah. All right. So so when I quit coffee, I was a barista, and then I was a customer service rep at uh, Stewart Title Insurance Company. Um, the idea being um, I'm broke, I have so many bills, and I'm, you know, uh, in a calorie deficit because I can't even feed myself. Uh, so I remember everyone saying like, Oh dude, you got an office job. You're going to be making, you're, you're not going to be used to how much money you're making. And the reality of the situation is, uh, I was working weekend shifts at the coffee shop still. Um, and you know, I, I eventually realized like I can't make enough money here either. And man, it's, it, just looking back, that shit is still so frustrating to me. Just, like, unacceptably frustrating. Um, so I started looking around for more work, and Glenn Edith was hiring a uh, wholesale, uh, more, more like a sales director um, for their wholesale business, which was growing. And I was going to be in a better financial position going back to a coffee job than I was at this uh, corporation working in an office. And the the people working at the office couldn't believe that I was going back to coffee. They're like, what? Are you, are you crazy? And I'm like, yo, I'm going to make more money. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm, seriously, this stuff is so frustrating to me. People have no fucking idea. So, so I, I came back and, um, you know, it was kind of goodbye to the benefits, uh, but hello to more money in my pocket, which is what I needed to get out from all this student loan debt. Um, and I think there is a lot that I could have done differently anyway. I will say that. And that's where I just think that I want to uh, help people. You know, um, I'm 35 and like out of debt now. I complain about debt every second of of, of my life if you guys know me well enough um but but i'm out of debt now and it sucked getting there but i would like to uh, help younger baristas or younger coffee professionals navigate this thing and also make it to the next level do whatever it is you want to do in coffee um because i've had a i've had a hell of a really fun interesting journey uh but very painful often heartbreaking so um you know, allow allow your big brother to uh, to kind of coach you to avoid some of these pitfalls. You know? Aaron ended up coming back to coffee and working at Whole Latte Love, one of the biggest home espresso machine websites in the world. He now helps people choose the right machine for them and helps them use it correctly. Here's what he had to say about that transition. I was never really happy teaching. Um, I was really good at it, as people would say, but I was not happy. And uh, my wife was pursuing her career 
um, got her dream job, and she came home after the interview and was said, quit. And I quit. <laughs> yeah, Hannah. Um, <laughs> I love it. And so got to <laughs> then get to this job. Still a sort of a teaching opportunity you, for you. Yeah, and I think uh, you know my, my history with teaching um, really lends itself to what I do um, now. I like to say I speak customer well um, because, uh, <laughs> you know, whenever somebody calls in, they're going to tell you one of five things, but it's going to be, you know, whatever verbiage they know. Right. And uh, it was really interesting to figure out that a lot of these people who own these like really expensive home brewing machines, they don't know a lot about coffee and they know even less about like the proper terms for the hardware they're using. Sure. So, you know, being able to decipher what they're describing and then um, explain to them in language that they'll understand, right? you know, is really what I do. Um, you know, we talk about dialing in and grind size and extraction rates and, you know, these really geeky things that we love and are passionate about, and they've never heard of them, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not common dinner table conversation outside yeah. of our, our circles, right? Yep. And so then, you know, you talk to a customer about, you know, the density of a coffee bean from Africa versus, you know, um, you know, some other location there. And they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Now I have to change my grind. It's like, there you there go. There you go. And you've given them a little bit of that passion yeah. in there. Yeah. And that's really where, you know, it's like that teaching moment where, like, the light bulb goes on. That's the cool part about it. Wade picks back up on his Chicago to Western New York story. That was Chicago, uh, and I, like, walked away at that point. Uh, I had been doing a degree there, moved to Webster, actually, to use that degree. I'm just going to own it up front. Uh, that was a Master's of Divinity, and I was a pastor at the time, and I understand how hard that's going to be to understand for a lot of people, but that's where I was at in life, and I'm, you know, here now. So I was working at a church in Webster, and it was a time warp. Uh, I had gone from this very forward-thinking coffee scene where I was learning all these things to a place that loved its coffee, had independent coffee shops, and is, like, Rochester's a coffee town. Like, I, I think we don't credit that enough. You know, Ugly Duck was just named best coffee shop in New York by a, by a food publication in New York State. Like, we actually are very much a coffee town. Um, but it was all very old or very much older mentality. Uh, the types of shops that when I went into them in Chicago, it was more just because they were in the neighborhood and I was kind of running through and just needed to grab a quick cup. So uh, I wasn't super enthused with what I found out here, and that's not a critique of anyone. I was definitely much snobbier then. So like, uh, uh, it's more, more a critique of me, I think. But in Webster, they did have Joe Bean. Joe Bean was roasting. And I could walk to the roastery from my house, and I could get a pour-over in the morning from Kathy Turiano. That's real. <laughs> uh, and just chat. Yeah, and she found out I knew about coffee, introduced me to Ben. Um, ben and I would talk coffee a little bit. We didn't really have a lot of contact at that time. When they decided they were going to move into the city and do a cafe, they asked if I would kind of help with that. Not help so much as just like, hey, you've done this in a bigger city. 
like um, what can you, you know, translate to our context? And I uh, was working part time and then doing that part time and doing what, you know, the pastor thing full time. I was like, I can't I can't even compare the level of enthusiasm here. Uh, I'm learning so much more over here. I am just as passionate about coffee as I am about anything in my life. So I just made the switch. Uh, Do you think coffee chose you or did you choose it? It's funny because I really thought I was done with coffee when I left Chicago. um, And it was not done with me, you know. So uh, I got roped right back in. It was probably like a year out. (laughs) And then then I'm right back in, right? And, uh, yeah, so I was at Joe Bean. I was there full time. Uh, Eventually went from the bar to being a quality control director and doing uh, cuppings and classes. And, you know, at one point cupping literally every roast, every roast that went through Joe Bean, I would, I would (laughs) grab a sample. I would cup it. Um, I think about that now. I couldn't, I literally couldn't like that. I would just, yeah. So that's our backstories, but how did we actually end up getting together and doing this? It's all Wade's fault. Uh, Sapphire and I had been meeting about once a week about some ideas that she had uh, around branding some coffee, uh, around potential events. Um, I still remember the conversation we had where you mentioned a coffee festival and my head exploded. And then you guys had to like pick up the pieces of all the stuff that I just like said. I don't know if you like that idea or... (laughs) That's kind of the goal. I mean, like, I never want to discourage, but I also want to be realistic. Uh, you know, um, just putting guardrails on it, right? Uh, so we'd been meeting about that about once a week. Uh, then Aaron and I had, you know, a conversation where he mentioned this this idea he had about um, coffee education. I was like, oh, that's something I've always been interested in. Uh, and, and when we had that conversation, I was like, I've got these two things in front of me, this kind of like events idea and this ed idea. Um, and just the geek in me doesn't ever let these things lie. I was just like, yes, okay, no, I can look at both of these things at once. Uh, I see John Cannon doing more for coffee in Rochester uh, in a week than I think I've done in my career. <laughs> I see John Cannon out here um, making us all look better for sure. Uh, be, being a, being a, uh, being someone, uh, being someone who's been open to a lot of different experiences, uh, who left and came back, who, uh, yeah, is invested, is grounded, is, and is really open about even some of the struggles of it. (laughs) This is going to sound so weird. This is how my brain works. One day I was, having a conversation with Nora, and I said, if I can get Aaron and Sapphire and John in a room together, I think we can make something good out of this. <laughs> out of all these things that I've been working on having meetings about that I, I have no idea where this is going. And uh, I was right. <laughs> um, it's always Wade. It's always Wade's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Most things are, right? <laughs> and I was like, hey, I think like you know you should be a part of this project. And He's like, I've been talking to Aaron Pascucci and John Cannon, and you now the rest is history. We're, you know, in what week five, six, I lost count how many times we've met and talked about this, and today is our first day doing our podcast, and it's, like, really exciting. <laughs> uh, Wade texted me. Everything is Wade's fault. It's all Wade's fault. 
Uh, and he said, hey, let's meet up. I got some stuff I want to uh, bounce off of you. So we met at Vern's uh, for a cocktail, which is always welcome in these circles here. And he was talking about an event, uh, like a coffee festival type of thing. Um, and the funny thing was, uh, right before, Wade, right before you and I met, just so it, everyone listening, we're all in the room right now, all four of us. <laughs> uh, just before you and I had met, I was talking to someone else about um, doing some kind of a coffee festival, and I wasn't sure how to do it or, you know, all these things. And then, you know, an hour later, you and I meet, and you're like, I got this, I got this thing. I'm talking to some people. A coffee event is probably part of it. Uh, and also... This, this thing that wasn't called Level Up, it didn't have a name. Um, and we went through, uh, basically, we, we ended up meeting up for, what, three, four weeks in a row and brainstorming ideas on how to make this thing work. What even is this thing? And here we are. We decided, all right, uh, I'm, I'm probably giving away too much, but like this is a thing where we want everyone to have access to coffee education, how to be successful in this industry, uh, how we can lift each other up, uh, classes, events, this podcast, we're going to be interviewing all kinds of, all kinds of cool people and answering really tough questions. Um, this is going to be a resource. Um, and it took what, three, four, uh, meetings for us to figure out what this thing is even going to be. And now here we are in this room doing this podcast. I think it was really cool to, um, number one, connect with somebody who saw the potential. Um, and then, you know, Wade was like, let's bring Sapphire in. Let's grab John. Let's get this group together. Um, I think it was around the third or fourth week we met routinely that I knew this was going to go past a bar conversation. You know, the number of times I've had a get-rich-quick conversation with a buddy over a drink has been numerous. So you've and rich quick a lot of times, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. We're I'm, just doing I'm filthy rich, you know? Yeah. God, uh, so rich, so <laughs> <laughs> um, And, uh, you know, all of those conversations, at least on my end, I've been pseudo-serious. Like, let's do something, and it fizzles out real quick. Um and so when they realized that this wasn't hitting that end point, um, that was the first step for me. Um, I think what I'm looking at next is um, we've flushed out some ideas that will kind of come to uh, a head and light and coming conversations and coming conversations about, you know, what we would love to be able to share with the industry um, and the really the people specifically, you know, I don't know if Level Up's goal is industry-wide as much as it is helping those in the the various aspects of the professions there. Um, and so just seeing traction um, on some of those ideas and the content um, is going to be really cool. So let's get into a little bit more of what we actually want to do with Level Up. project to be a lot for, for me and what I want to contribute is um, 
trying to help like those baby baristas like get a leg up in this industry and you know whether that's you know helping people type up resumes or you know networking and trying to get their feet in the right door um, and how to access like information like I want to try to help in that sort of way I I love that the uh, uh, helping people with their resumes uh, that is so not my forte. And I remember you telling you telling us, uh, oh, I love doing that stuff. I love that. And th- thank God you do because, like, it ain't going to be me, you know? <laughs> I just wrote up, like, a client contract for my assistant last night because she does freelancing work, too. And she sent me, like, this template of, like, what she had written. I was like, oh, baby girl, let me help you. Like, <laughs> it, you know, being able to like communicate in a language like your professionalism and like who you are like you have to sell yourself and i think i've always been good at that i don't know <laughs> no I, I i would agree um i i really admire um your willingness to stand your ground on your values uh that that's something that i've dropped the ball in in my life many times in order to you know hold on to my job you know what whatever whatever it is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really scary. I really admire that. And you know, in that regard, like you're, you know, you're you're more punk than most people I know. You know, so um, I I, uh, I admire a lot of um, uh, what you've what you've noticed in the coffee industry and how it relates to you and how it relates to other people, and um, and your your willingness to. <laughs> Like, I'm getting too old for that in my life. Like, yeah. if something's not working out and I see discrepancies that are notable, I just can't stand for it anymore. Like, and neither should anybody else. Everybody should feel, like, the the right to be able to speak up and advocate for themselves. And, and if that's something that I could teach through Level Up is teaching people how to advocate for themselves, gosh, that would, that would be, like, cherry on the cake. As I reflected on some of the jobs that I've had over the past 13 years, I thought to myself that maybe Sapphire could teach me how to advocate for myself too. The salary—I I didn't know what salary I even needed. I was so naive and stupid. Um, so the offer that got made, you know, after seeing how much work and how much like working seven days a week one time, you know, like which you know ends up being fourteen days a week, right? Um, and then looking at the paycheck and being like, this is not even close. Like I was probably making like eight bucks an hour, you know, like because it, it, it was a salary position, you know, um, and I should have advocated for myself. I should have asked for more. Um, and I you know what? I guarantee I wouldn't have gotten more even if I asked, which is a separate problem. That's a problem of you don't understand your business model. You know, you don't know how much you even need to pay people. Uh, yeah. You know, and, absolutely. Yeah. Um and uh, I've had problems where um, I've been somewhere for a long time and never gotten never gotten a raise, you know, even after going the extra mile uh, many, many, many times, uh, working six days a week, working 60 hours, you know, all that. And, um, and, uh, and not asking for much either. I mean, I'm kind of a suck it up type of guy. Um, you know, I, I think uh, for, for as much as I like, as much as you hear me complain, I'm also like, uh, you know, 
Life is tough, man. I don't have that great of an outlook on life to begin with, which is a separate problem. So I'm like, hey, life life is kind of shit. This is the way things are, you know? Like, yeah, you toil, you labor, blah, blah, blah. And that that's a separate issue that I, I need to break out of, you know? Um, there, there's an issue of, like, I don't even deserve that amount of money. To deserve it, I need to fucking crucify myself, you know? And that that's not, um, as, as an adult... Yeah, yeah. As an adult, I'm like, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. And I, I went like a lot of my younger life with um, uh, just not advocating for myself, not realizing that uh, it's okay to make a little more money. It's okay, you know? And, and f- frankly, you need it. And it's okay to ask for it. It's okay to ask for it, too. It's okay to not be in a calorie deficit anymore, you know? At this point, it was kind of loosey-goosey, kind of a free-for-all, so not everybody was up next to the mics. We were all just kind of having fun talking and chatting and stuff. So uh, Sapphire's not next to the mic, but she is asking me if future me could give one piece of advice to past me that would make a big impact, what would it be? If future you could tell past you one piece of advice that our listeners (laughs) would maybe gain some uh, benefit from, what would you say? Um... I am still figuring that, that pro- probably 80 things. Um, you want me to choose one? Woo, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I would say uh, uh, financial literacy is uh, incredibly important. You do feel like employers and business owners, they need to... One, if you're opening up a shop and you have no experience in the coffee industry or no experience in just, like, how to deal with people in general, like, you really need to do some research and, like, think about how you should make an impact on your people and, you know, why your employees make your business successful. Because it's not you. It's not your brand. It's not your marketing. That's not going to make you successful. What's going to make you successful is your people. So treat your people right, and then you're going to be successful. If we're going to do this, we're going to have to tackle some really difficult subject matter. And there's no shortage of it. In the coffee community, we're doing a really good job of trying to put important topics at the forefront of, you know, conversations and podcasts and, you know, putting it in front of people's laps. Like, we're doing a good job trying to do that, but we still are just, like, ten steps behind. Like, Like, let's focus less on, like, the techie stuff and the coffee gear like let's have conversations that people don't want to talk about people don't want to talk about how you know women and minorities and people of color are being discriminated against in their jobs and the employers like allow the customers to do that people don't talk about these things and that's where I'm like super disappointed by our industry as a whole um but you know there are influencers that are trying really hard to put these things at the forefront, and I think that's important, and we need to focus more on those conversations than, like, you know, the latest tasting notes and a Yurga chef or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know. Totally. Um, and uh, I, I, I get a feeling that a lot of those issues are uh, societal issues as well. You know, they, I, I, I think a lot of them are not just coffee, you know, restaurants, bars, offices. Um, I think women and women, women and minorities have gotten the shaft in, uh, in American labor, you know, probably global labor, you know? Oh, for sure. And it's not just like a conversation that's exclusive to our industry, but I feel like, you know, when more people 
across all industries start realizing that we need to have conversations like this and like even just acknowledging like you know climate change for you know the commodities that we import into our country like these are all really important things that like people don't always think about or don't want to think about or don't know how to access information to make a change here's aaron on the importance of community i as a person have always loved the service industry you know, I used to joke early on if I could have made like the same money I was making teaching, you know, working a decent job as like a barista or a bartender, like I would have been happy as a clam. And, you know, so, you know, being able to maybe flush that out for someone else, um, move the industry in a direction that that might be a possibility for somebody. Um, and even just, giving people the the knowledge base that you know we've had being in the industry in various ways um how to navigate it how to create a life in it um that's that's a, a secondary passion to it you know to help someone else fulfill their lo- your passions yeah, um and hopefully, you know, that person fulfilling their passion will allow me to show up at 60 in a coffee shop and, uh, you know, enjoy my morning brew, you know, with some community there. So. Community is people. It's not an industry. Um, and keeping that focus and really trying to support, like, baristas as people, roasters as people, uh, importers yeah. as people, um, graders as people. Like, that's. I think that's going to be a unique focus of Level Up. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the community that I'm passionate about there. And, uh, you know, if I can make an analogy, you know, having been a participant in the tattoo community and listen to, you know, tattoo artists talk and talk and talk, um, there's a lot of aspects of that profession that are really unique to that profession and how nationwide they support each other. And there's a network nationwide. Um, And I think for them, and I could be wrong, if you're a tattoo artist, hit us up. Um, You know, tell us about your community there. Um, That's one of the things that makes that community and that profession really worth being in, is the amount of support they have from their peers. Um, And I'd love to see that global aspect come to the barista and to, you know, the local coffee roaster. Um, and then, you know, to even bring in, you know, if you had asked me if I was in the coffee industry a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have said no. Um, but bringing in those fringe areas um, to the industry of people that, you know, are doing tech support for yeah, e-commerce companies. Really flushing out that community and bringing people together. That's where I, I want to go. Say it better than that. The best way to learn is from your failures, but let me fail for you. I worked at uh, Poor Coffee Parlor, which is now Glen Edith, for, for a long time as a barista. And it was so busy um, and very, very it, that was not an easy bar to work on. Um, Everything from like technical issues to the height of the bar to it, it was just insane. It was so busy, so 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 busy. And um, 
I, I was just working a lot. And I, I was like falling asleep during dinners with my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, it was just so, so, so much work. Um, hardly any breaks. And, and I say this not to, you know, not to diss them, but th- these are issues in like the hospitality industry when you're working on the floor as a whole, you know, servers, bartenders, all, all these people deal with, you know, the, I don't get a break. I'm there six days a week. I'm, you know, um, so, so after that, I, I quit actually. And I wanted to get out of coffee. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not making enough money. I'm in so much debt, student loan debt, credit card debt, this car payment, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was eating ramen. It was just impossible to survive. So, um, I got a job at a title company, uh, called Stewart title. They're here in town. Actually, they're in like 88 countries. So I was like, cool. Okay. I can get a new career going, but I was 30. I'm like, great. Good time to, you know, get an entry level job making, uh, guess what less than I was on the bar at a coffee shop, but it seems cool. You know, it seems like, Hey, I can sit down. I can have 40 hours. I can have breaks, lunches, um, health insurance, a 401k, um, all that type of stuff, but still not enough money. I was working, uh, I'd, I'd never fully quit. I was working Saturday shifts because I, <laughs> too much, couldn't make it happen. Couldn't make it happen. Yeah. Um, and all these financial issues, uh, that I had growing up in this coffee scene and, and even just in, you know, even working in an office, um, all that stuff is influencing what I want to do with Level Up. I want to show people like, yo, if you really want to do this, here's the budget that you're going to need. You know, this is what you can expect to make. You're not going to have a 401k or you're likely you're likely not going to have a 401k or health insurance. Here's how you handle those things. I had to figure it out myself and I want you to get a better leg up. Learn from my mistakes, please. That's that's what I that's what I want to be doing. Sapphire has a question for Wade that's going to take us home. Where do you foresee yourself within our level of coffee? Yeah, I think I've told you guys a lot. Uh, if we can build a thing where I get to like go into my office three days a week and just read and write and study about coffee and then, uh, you know, go recruit teachers and get them recording some classes. Um, if I could come here and hang out with y'all and talk coffee into a microphone, uh, all that, like um, for me, it's more of a, a personal goal, like I was saying before. When you when you use your knowledge, it feels valuable. And when you share it with someone else, it feels even more valuable. Um, and I'm just taking what I've accumulated, what I continue to accumulate, but like three new coffee books this week, uh, and and use it, uh, f- you know, make it into something valuable for others. Um, because I think that, that it validates where I'm at, but... Um, Hopefully the knowledge uh, helps other people as well uh, find their way in coffee. And I think something that's emerged a lot from our conversations is it's about more than just the knowledge. It's about generating community. Uh, it's about supporting you know coffee professionals as whole people. It's about inclusivity. It's about calling out. You know I know you're very focused on calling out like you know some of the bullshit in this industry and and. There's plenty, you know. Um, that's a, that's fertile ground, um, unfortunately. So, uh, I I am looking for a way to take what's very personally valuable to me and make it valuable to others. Thanks for listening to this long introductory episode of the Level Up Coffee Podcast. 
Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at levelup.wny and check out our website at levelupwny.com. Today's episode featured Sapphire Corchain, Wade Reed, Aaron Pascucci, and myself, John Cannon. Episode layout by Wade, editing by Aaron and myself, and music by me thrown together haphazardly, but it was fun. Our first event is a happy hour at Space in Rochester on March 7th, 2022, 45 Euclid Street, 4 to 8 p.m. We'll have a DJ, some coffee cocktails, coffee samples from roasters around western New York, and it's free. Hope to see you there. Talk to you soon. Space.